Book Dreams, a member of the Podglomerate Network and LitHub Radio. Hi, everybody. This is Julie. Eve and I are so excited to bring you this bonus episode. I've been listening to the Hashtag M Writing podcast for years now. It's a podcast that's intended for writers, but it's interesting, I think, for anyone who likes hearing about craft and the writing life. They have lots of really informative conversations on the podcast about writing-related strategies and issues, and they have great interviews with authors. We have one of the hosts, KJ Delantonio, here with us now. She can tell you a little more about it, and then we're going to play one of the Hashtag and Writing episodes for you. Let me just say, before I hand this over to KJ, she was a Book Dreams guest way back in episode 15, which is called When One Genre Isn't Enough, Writing in Multiple Genres, because KJ has written in many, many genres. She's been a New York Times editor. She's written nonfiction books. She's written a gazillion essays. She's now writing novels. Her first novel, The Chicken Sisters, was an instant New York Times bestseller, and her second novel, In Her Boots, is due out in July. Thank you so much, Julie. I am so excited about this. I am thrilled to share an episode of the Hashtag Am Writing podcast to Book Dreams listeners. And I will say that Hashtag Am Writing listeners are going to get an episode of Book Dreams as well, which we're super excited about because we love it. So <laughs> Hashtag Am Writing is a weekly podcast focused on fun, practical, actionable advice for writers of all kinds. And you just so fulsomely described me. I think of myself as a journalist turned novelist. And my co-hosts and best friends are Serena Bowen, who is also a best-selling novelist, and Jessica Leahy, who so far has saved her bestsellers for the nonfiction list. We talk to each other, as you said, and other writers about traditional and indie publishing, freelancing, business and craft. And we also do coaching calls where we bring on a listener and advise them on everything from why they can't finish their novel to building that god-awful platform. And the episode y'all are about to hear is with Jenny Lawson. She is the author of Broken in the Best Possible Way. And in that episode, we talked about imposter syndrome, editing, the right headspace for reading your own stuff, recording audiobooks in the closet, being years late on a deadline, sending your editor proof of life, which was a hysterical moment, and the deep inner conviction that we all share that people only buy your book because they feel sorry for you, which is pretty <laughs> funny coming from Jenny. I really hope your listeners will love this episode and thanks for sharing it. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe to Hashtag and Writing. And now on with the show. Spring is coming, slowly here in New England, and we're excited about the whole idea of change and new beginnings and birds and grass and stuff like that. What does that have to do with hashtag am writing? Well, maybe it's time for a new beginning for you as a book coach. Just imagine enrolling in the classes, meeting a cohort, learning all the ways coaches are editorial and emotional support for writers, and then starting to line up your first clients. Students working with Author Accelerator's book coaching program say they often begin to book authors before they're even done with the course, and they end up being booked ahead months in advance. Sound like fun? I absolutely agree. Go to bookcoaches.com to learn more. Is it recording? Now it's recording. Yay! Go ahead. This is the part where I stare blankly at the microphone. I don't remember what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, let's start over. Awkward pause. I'm going to wrestle some papers. Okay. Now one, two, three. Okay. Hey, I'm KJ Delantonia, and this is Hashtag Am Writing, the podcast about writing all the things. Fiction, nonfiction, short pieces, long pieces, pitches, proposals, anything you're working on, because this is the podcast about sitting down and getting your work done. And I'm Jess Leahy. I'm the author of The Gift of Failure and The Addiction Inoculation, which is like out this week, and I'm so excited. I can hardly stand it. It's so amazing when things go out into the world that have been only in your office. Anyway, so I write for, who do I write for these days? New York Times, The Washington Post, uh, Airmail, and uh, yeah, that's where I write these days. I'm sorry, I'm just discombobulated because Pub Day is coming up! And I am KJ Delantonia, the author of the novel The Chicken Sisters and the nonfiction book How to Be a Happier Parent, former editor of the Motherload blog at the New York Times, not contributing anywhere right now, really, if we're just honest <laughs> about it. I am just um, just handed in revisions on a second novel, and I'm playing around with a third and a fourth. So that's where I am. We have an amazing kick-ass guest today. I'm so, so excited. We, I believe she's come up in, uh, we've mentioned her on the podcast before, um, KJ and I are both humongous fans and friends with the inimitable Jenny Lawson. Jenny is the author of many books, but originally I met her as a blogger, as this woman called The Blogess. And I believe the first thing I ever read was the Beyonce chicken um yeah, I believe it was the Chicken Post, and have been a fan ever since. And Jenny has many books um, that have uh, hit the tippy top of the New York Times bestseller list, and her new one, and like Furiously Happy, which is just hysterical and wonderful. Uh, but her newest book is called Broken, and she has come to talk to us both about the book Broken and a little bit about being broken. Hi, Jenny. Hello. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be here. I love you guys so much. And I uh, am not contributing in any way to anything. Um, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm feeling good today. So I'm excited to actually talk to people oh, in real I'm life. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> well, and anyone who knows Jenny's work knows a introvert, you know, will always, you know, put off having to actually do the face-to-face -face thing. So number one, that's amazing. Number two, the fact that you're feeling good today. We're also going to be talking a little bit about that. And the fact that this book, Broken, is a number one, so beautiful. And number two, out in the world after um, a long time of not looking like it might actually make it out into the world. So we want to talk to you a little bit today. It is, Jenny has it so bravely, so publicly talked about mental illness and about depression and about just all of the stuff that she has to go through behind the scenes when she writes. So where should we even start? I guess we should start with um, your baseline in terms of like what it is you're dealing with when you have, uh, when you're, well, in general, but obviously we want to talk about it in the context of writing? Um, so I am, I love, I'm very much like uh, Dorothy Parker in that I hate writing and I love having written. Yeah. Um, it is such a lonely and um, just very, it, like too quiet in my head when I'm writing. Um, but once it's actually out, it's so wonderful that you can sort of close the chapter on, you know, whatever story it is that you're trying 
to tell. Um, and so that's oh, so wonderful. But I struggle a lot with uh, writer's block. And I know a lot of people are like, writer's block doesn't exist. But um, fuck you, it totally does. Uh, because I have, oh, can I curse? I didn't even ask. We'll do, we'll do a warning at the beginning. Okay, good, good. Or you could just bleep that out. <laughs> um, so yeah, I um, I struggle a lot with writer's block. So I have a lot of um, a lot of different tools that I use that that help me, and a lot of different things that. And I'm still not super successful at getting my writing done, but um, it comes eventually. So when you're trying to write in the writer's block comes for you what does it look like how does it what does it feel like and obviously we want to talk about some of the tools you use to get through that typically um i i think a lot of the time when i have block it comes down to uh, depression and anxiety um part of that is uh with the anxiety there's this you know idea of this imposter syndrome where i feel like I'm not funny, um, I'm overrated, people are going to at any moment realize like, oh, she like she just writes in these super long uh, run-on sentences. Does she not understand how commas work? What's the deal with punctuation? Why doesn't she like it? Um, and so that's part of it. The other part is when I'm dealing with uh, depression, I have this just utter exhaustion and that exhaustion makes me um, sort of unable to be creative in this in the same way. A lot of people are like, okay, well, as long as I, you know, I set up, you know, from eight to five, I have to write. And even if I write and I, I write and it's not very good, I can come back and I can re-edit it. And for me, um, it doesn't work that way for me because if I write something and I don't like it, I feel like I don't have the ability to go back and say, okay, that didn't work that way. Let's use it in a different way. So for me, um, I'll have an idea in my head of something that I want to write and it will ruminate um, for maybe weeks, maybe even a month until finally all of a sudden something will click and I'll be like, oh my God, I know how to write this. Oh, oh, okay. Wait, these two chapters actually go into each other. And if I write this chronologically, oh my God. And I will, I literally will yell at my family, do not talk to me for 20 minutes <laughs> because if they interrupt me, it's gone. It's completely gone. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's ridiculous. It's like constipation, basically. And then you finally get to go to the bathroom and you've been like, I haven't gone in a week. And then you do and you're like, oh, thank God. I thought I was gonna have to go to the hospital. But it was like that, but with my head. I have this thing where I used to work out a lot of chapters while I was cross-country skiing and sort of everyone knew that when I got home that I needed like five minutes just to make sure I put stuff down on paper. Sometimes I would do the same thing. I'd come in the house. I'm like, hold on, hold on. Nobody talked to me for a few minutes, so I got to get this stuff down. Um, but I, there's something about that. It's called your the default circuit in your brain. And it sort of, when those floodgates open, it allows those things to come through. One of the things that speaking, since you're talking about sort of editing and figuring out how it works, I have to say one of my favorite chapters in the book is um, the editing chapter, the chapter on <laughs> editing being hell. It's hysterical. It's um, it also shows that you have a great relationship with your editor, uh, and your editor yes. is very understanding. Can you talk a little bit about your editing process? Because I think, um, especially since you have all of those voices coming at you saying, you know, either that this stinks or that you should just stick it in the trash can, just delete it forever. <laughs> How does your editing process go? Well, typically, anything that I write. I tend to go in and 
self-edit and self-delete about 50% of everything that I write um, right off the top, just because I have a tendency to say the same thing over and over again. Um, and then once I have it, I keep it and uh, then I'll come back to it a couple of days later to see like, did this actually work or did it just work in my head? Because sometimes it's like, you know, when you have that dream and you're like, oh my God, that's the funniest thing ever. And then you write it down and you're like, oh, I can't wait until I wake up in the morning and I can write this down and, the, and put it in a blog post. And then you look at it and you're like, what the hell? This doesn't make any sense at all. Um, so that happens with me a lot with, uh, with writing where I think I've got something and it turns out I don't at all. Um, so typically what I'll do is if it's, if I look at it and I'm like, this isn't, this isn't very good because it doesn't make sense. Um, then I'll delete it. If I look at it and I say, this isn't very good because it's not funny. Uh, then I will save it and come back to it two days later because sometimes I'm just in the wrong state of mind to think something is funny. Um, so just like some people can like come across your book at the wrong point in their life and be like, oh, I really didn't like this. And then, you know, maybe three years later they come and they're like, this book's so good. I don't know why I didn't like it. <laughs> Same thing for us, re you know, reading our own stuff. So, um, then once I, once I do actually feel like, okay, this is funny or this is interesting or this is unique. Uh, then I send it to my agent, Nevi Madan, and she is so great at kind of just looking at everything and very quickly saying, this works, this doesn't work, um, but also in the kindest, sweetest way possible. Um, you know, I think one of the best things that you can do when you're looking for an agent and an editor is to find the people who work with your personality. Um, and, and I think it's very much like finding a good therapist, um, that there might be a great therapist that's great for one person, but is not right for you. Uh, and so I know for me, what I need is I need people who are going to be very nice because the voices in my head are already telling me terrible things. So I, I need them to, you know, be very, very sweet to me. Um, but at the same time to be, um, very honest about what's working and what doesn't work. Um, because you, it's so hard to see, you know, yourself mm -hmm. what's going on. So then if she likes it, then I, I typically will sort of polish it up and I will call, um, I have several people, just friends who are sort of readers and, and, you know, I'll just call and be like, can I read this chapter to you? Can I, does this sound right? And I'll listen to the laughter and I'll listen to like what, what hits and what doesn't. And I think it's really important to have a variety of different readers because what's going to work for one person isn't going to work for another person. It also, it's a great way of having so many different mindsets looking at it and saying, this is not coming off right, or this reminds me of something else. So maybe they'll make it better by, you know, saying, Hey, remember that story that you told me? Um, and they also have, you know, different sensitivities. So they're going to give you a much better idea of like, this actually could be considered offensive or this, you know, maybe you can restate this. And I think that can be really helpful. And then once it's gone through that, then I send it to my editor, Amy Einhorn, who has been my editor that I have just followed every, every place that she has gone. I've been like, I can't go anywhere. Just let me stay with you. <laughs> Stop running away from me. Um, so she has, so she has switched publishers and you followed her. She, well, yeah, she was at Penguin. Yeah. She oh, was okay. at Penguin when, 
when Let's Pretend came out, what was that, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, something like that. Then she went to Macmillan and she had her own imprint and now uh, she's at Holtz, which I think is part of Macmillan. I don't know. I get yeah, confused yeah, about is. the whole thing. Yeah, so um, she's, she's just awesome. And so I send it to her and she goes through and comes up with, you know, this is what works, this is what doesn't, and can you flesh this out more? It always feels so great when I, when I first turn it in, you know, and you feel like, oh, it's off my plate. I don't have anything to do. And then five minutes pass and you're like, they hate it. Oh my God, they hate me. Oh my God, they're, they're burning my contract. They will never speak to me again. But she's really, she's really great at picking out what works and what doesn't work. And I am very, very, like I listen to everything but sometimes there would be some chapters where I would be like, no, this is a really good chapter. And, and maybe Amy and Neithi would be like, it's, I mean, it's fine, but it doesn't really fit with the book. But, and, and for the most, like almost always, they are 100% right. Um, and so I, I have learned to listen more to them and, and to, uh, to trust their judgment. I've learned to listen to, even when my editor, Gail, I can't, think of a time when she's been wrong. Her judgment is just so good. And there, even though I have those times where I'm like, oh my gosh, how could she possibly make me get rid of that? And then, but now I've got that little voice that says, let's just, just wait on that. Just think about it a little bit longer. And I think you will find that Gail is 100% correct. So yeah, that's, that's been my experience with Gail, which is nice. It's now reliable, at least that I'm the one who's wrong. So at least I've right? come to expect it. Yeah. It's nice. It's nice. Do you tend to send chunks to your editor or do you send large swaths of the book? Um, or the, like I've, I've done both sending the whole thing at once and sending it in chunks. How do you do it? Um, it, it sort of depends on what's going on, but it's not unusual for me to send sort of a chapter at a time. Mm -hmm. But usually when I send it to her, I usually have at least the first batch will be at least like half the chapters of you know, here's kind of what I'm thinking. This is sort of my idea for the book. And then she can kind of say like, okay, well, here are the themes that I see coming out. And it's interesting because so often I don't really see the themes in the same way until like it's pointed out to me where somebody's like, oh, actually, this is what, this is the running theme through your book. I'm like, well, that wasn't on purpose. So uh, good to know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the particular humiliation in the editing chapter of finding out that you've been using a word wrong your entire life, or even worse, as you know, since you narrate your own audiobooks, I have been saying that word wrong my entire life. And how humiliating oh is that? Even so much that I push back against my producer, I'm like, no, I'm sure there's an alternate pronunciation on that. He's like, no, I just looked it up. You've been saying it wrong your whole what? life. Yeah. Right? Oh my gosh. The entire time. And, you know, I recorded the audiobook in my closet because I couldn't leave my house, you know, for COVID. And uh, so I had these, I had um, my uh, audio editor and my producer on, they, they're like listening yeah. as I'm recording in the closet. And there were just so many times, they just stop and they're like, and my, oh my gosh, she's so, she's so nice. Her name's Maddie. And she, she is so nice. And and instead of being like, that's not how you pronounce it. Instead, she would say, 
have you ever heard it pronounced? And she would, and you, so that I'd be like, oh, is that the way I'm supposed to say it? We actually had this full, what was it? Um, the Because most of the times I'm like, whatever you say is right is right. Because right. I read, and but I don't listen. Right. And so it's totally. But there was one that was the plural of minutiae. And which I thought oh, was minutia. Yeah, I don't even like, know how oh, you no, pronounce no. it. Uh, it. Have you ever heard it pronounced minutiae? And I was like, there's no possible way that's a real word. There's no way. Um, and uh, it turns out that is how it's pronounced. Huh. Yeah. So Jenny, I have to ask you, your um, Broken, your new book, book, and by the way, it's broken in the best possible way, has a cover unlike any cover I have ever seen before. Could you, I mean, your covers are always great because you have either your raccoon (laughs) on Furiously Happy, you've got your mouse on Let's Pretend This Ever Happened or Never Happened, but I got to ask about the cover of Broken. Yes, um, it's something, it's something very different than what I've done before, so um, there's this artist that I love. His name is Omar Ryan, and he does these portraits of women, and they're sort of these like Rubenesque, sort of I don't know, uh, Victorian portraits of these women, and they are just they look so beautiful and put together, um, but they are carrying around these enormous demon beasties. And um, I just thought this is the perfect representation to me of what it is like dealing with mental illness because you're still trying to be happy, you're still trying to get things done, um, but you're carrying around this monster with you. And so, um, you know, I I was like, I'd love him to do my portrait and have this personification of, you know, dealing with whatever struggle you're dealing with. And yeah. um, and he he has the you know the the flowers stuck in the beastie's mouth and like the beastie's like you know I'm trying to be hair adorable, ribbon. right? I'm dressing it I up. I'm it. like you know what? I still love you even though you're a pain in the ass. Well, I don't know if you remember, but um, you did some early some of the early material from Furiously Happy you read out loud at Mom 2.0 and you were very nervous and it was so good and we were so honored to hear it. But you talked about um, that sometimes, you know, writing about this stuff is like dragging monsters out from underneath the bed. And that became um, sort of a story that I told about coming out as an alcoholic. So your monsters mean a lot to me, Jenny. Your monsters mean a lot to me because they're part of my story now too. I love that. I love that. <laughs> oh, it's just, it's a lovely book. I think everyone's going to love it. And um, I, it's really, it's you. I mean, that's the thing that's so wonderful about your writing is that there is no wall between the reader and your and you it's it's you on the page which you know can imagine I can imagine would be very difficult to do when you're not feeling great about that person that's on the page or when your brain is telling you that you're not enough to be on the page yes yeah I, I think that's probably part of the reason why there's so many years that come in between these books because I spend so much time just not liking myself and not liking anything that comes out of of what I do. And so I have to just kind of wait until those quieter moments come when my head is not saying terrible things and when I feel like, okay, actually, I can write this. Like, I, I do have this story in me. And And the thing is, is that no one else 
can tell this story in the same way that I tell it. And so whenever I start to feel like really blocked, I think of someone else trying to tell the story for me. And I think like, no, 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 no. I wouldn't like that. This is what I would want to say. I really found this book to be so much more, your voice, your writing voice is so much more mm -hmm. assured than it was in the last two books. And I wondered, uh, do you think that's a reflection of having published the last two? Do you think it's experience with writing and editing? Um, or what do you think has evolved for you? Um, you know, I think it's a number of different things, but I think one is, you know, when the first book came out and it did well, I had this feeling of, well, it probably only did well because people felt sorry for me. <laughs> and then when the, yeah, and then, the, then, then I was writing the second one and I was like, oh my gosh, this is even harder because I, the first one did really yeah. well. And how am I going to follow up that? I mean, it's all downhill from here. Um, and then it did well. And so I, I think it's just that process you know, even in between, in the time that I was writing this, I was so behind on my deadline and was feeling like, you know, that I'm, I'm so slow compared to, I think, the average person. And so, it, like, in the middle of writing this, I wrote my, uh, like, You Are Here coloring book just because it was like, okay, you know what, here's something that I can do. So I can feel like I'm, I'm creative in some way and having a different sort of project to move off to for a little bit, to let my mind go in a different direction for six months or a year, made it very helpful to be able to come back. So I think having those extra different projects that you can drop into and be like, okay, let's let my mind work in a different way. I, I, don't, I don't remember who said it, but somebody said, you know, a pause is as good as a rest. Um, and I'm not sure that that's actually correct because I think a nap is better than uh, all of them. <laughs> But um, but a change, mm -hmm. I think, is, is really good. We were just talking to uh, Nalani Singh recently, and she said the same thing. She always tries to have a project going that's just for fun, and she's not worried about people looking at it or it being uh, something that someone's expecting, that it's just something she's working on for fun. And I have to tell you that you are here is was something that was really really important to my students um after it came out i started buying you, you sent us some actually because one of my one of my students wrote a letter to jenny once kj about just really liking her work and uh he wanted to see a picture of her cat because she mentions the cat in the book and he um she sent my student a picture of her and her cat it was the sweetest thing and she <laughs> sent us some books and then you are here this beautiful coloring book became something that was really important to my students. And I just had to kept, keep buying copies of it because my students, you know, come and go a lot. And so I tried to always have copies of it around. So when someone was really having a, a difficult moment, moving from whatever it was they were supposed to be doing over to coloring something really helped manage their their moods. It was really helpful to have your, your coloring book in the classroom. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you. I love that so much. You know, I felt when I, when I put it out and there's there's a there's a, a fair amount of cursing in there, but it's well-meaning cursing. And <laughs> and for a while, I was like, maybe I mean, it is a coloring book. Maybe I should just take that out. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to be me, and it's just going to be out there. And if people like it, they like it. And if they don't, they don't. And and um and then they did. And it was it's so it's so great because you know even now sometimes I will pull out the book and you know I'll color and I'll be like come on Haley come here look they let's do everything in shades of blues and and 
So, yeah. I actually liked telling, it was helpful for them to hear the backstory of the book too, which was that, um, you know, when you have to go travel or when you have to go do stuff or when you get nervous, you tend to do these beautiful, elaborate line drawings, which is what became, you know, the basis of the coloring book. And so I tell my students that these beautiful images were created out of someone who was having trouble expressing herself in other ways or was having trouble and feeling bad about herself. And so that's just part of the wonderful origin story for this book and and they got to share in that because so many of my students had anxiety or depression so it was a great part of that story for them oh I love that I love that so how did the how did the creation of the coloring book fit into the deadline for broken well the the nice thing about my editor is she understands that I struggle with uh, with deadlines and with getting things done, and she has you know family members that deal with you know a lot of the same struggles, and so she's very nice about what I'm just like. Listen, it's gonna be a while. I'm not gonna <laughs> hit this deadline. I'm gonna be years late. She's very very nice about it, while still like you know gently pushing, um, which is exactly what I need. You know what's funny is sometimes. I would send chapters that, that I was like, okay, well, this is something that I wrote just for me, but I know it won't fit in the book, um, but I'll just send it to her because I'll, I'll feel like, oh, she'll look and she'll be like, oh, okay, well, at least she's trying. And, and I'll just let her down <laughs> gently and be like, yeah, this isn't right for the book, you know, but, and so I'm like, see, it'll be back on her. And I'll be like, oh, well, that's the reason why I'm late. You, you know, you turn down some of these chapters. <laughs> um, but what's funny is there were a couple that I was like, she was like, this is great. No, this is great. And I'm like, no, it, no, we can't put this like the, the shark tank chapter. I was like, this is kind of raunchy. And she was like, it is a, a, a departure from what you've done, but it's really funny. And it's a very different sort of, you know, what you normally share. And I was like, I know, cause I didn't think anybody would see it. And she was like, no, it no, was, it's good. It was just proof of life. I was just sending right. proof of life. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, let's take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and talk about what we've been reading. If you like hashtag am writing, and I know you do because you're here listening, you will love Writing Class Radio. Writing Class Radio airs true personal stories and gives you tips on how to write your own stories. We're also open to airing and discussing your personal essay. Everyone has a story. What's yours? Find Writing Class Radio wherever you find your podcasts. Jess, you bring us back. All right. Well, I would like to talk about um, one of my new favorite escapes when I um, I tend to listen to a lot of sort of intense nonfiction, as some of you may know. And every once in a while, I just love a good escape. And I can always count on Harlan Coben to give me a great escape and a story that I'm going to be engaged in like right away. And then he does, Harlan Coben does this amazing thing at the end. He's always got like, oh, there's the resolution. That's who did it. And it's over. And then he does a second one after that. So there's always like a, ooh, I've hit the answer to the, you know, all the mysteries here. And then he throws you for another loop. And it's just so much fun. So his new book is Win. It just came out uh, last week. And uh, what's fun is if you become a fan of Harlan Coben's books, like, 
half of them, a ridiculous number, have been adapted into shows for various networks. Most of most of all, I think Netflix. So he's a really, really fun listen. I always listen. And Stephen Weber, who was one of the stars of Wings, he is the person who narrates most of Harlan Coben's books, and he is a fantastic narrator. So I highly recommend, and it is a great escape with a great narrator. What have you got, KJ? Well, let's let's hear from Jenny. First. Okay, what have you got, Jenny? I feel Jenny? like what's what you got, Jenny? <laughs> um, you know, uh, one of my favorite books that I have read lately was uh, Clara in the Sun, um, which I am not going to pronounce his name correctly, uh, but it's from uh, I think it's Kazuo, Kazuo Ishiguro. That's it. That's yep. it. Um, and I love, love, love him. Uh, and when this book came out, I was, I was lucky enough to get like an advanced copy. And so I was reading it on the, the couch, you know, a month or two ago and I was just crying and my husband walked in and he was like, why do you do this to yourself? Like, why are you intentionally? And I was like, it's so good. It's so good. It's oh my God. I read that too and really loved it and did not actually have that response. So if you are a reader who is not a fun of crying while you read, you're probably still cool here. Like, that was just, just saying, just saying, I, I, I can get, I get it. I can see yes. it, but you can also read this with sort of a different attitude and be fine. Yes. I will say almost everyone I know is reading this book right now. It's all over people's social media. My dad has a copy right now. My husband has a copy right now. I'm waiting in line, but uh, just tons of people I know are reading it right now and just loving it. And, a podcast that I love is doing it as their their book read, and it's that that podcast just came out this week. So if anyone wants to listen to a fun discussion of Clara and the Sun, you can check out the Book Riot podcast. Oh, cool! Oh, I love that. Very cool. Me too. Okay, Missy, what do you got, KJ? Um, well, I read. I did just read Clara and the Sun, uh, which is probably <laughs> slightly or classier than than what I was going to talk about. But I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my uh, witchy Salem thriller, which is uh, called The Fifth Petal. It's by Brunonia Berry, and it is not new. And I don't. I, I I know why I bought it, but I'm sort of a little unclear on. It's actually the second in a trilogy, so I'm really a little unclear on why I did that. But it didn't matter. It was a standalone thriller. It was super fun. It's got all this great history for Salem and all this great uh you know mythology, and it's a a really enthralling. I guess it's a paranormal mystery, and I enjoyed it very much. And one fascinating thing to me as a writer was that as you're sort of zooming towards the exciting end, um, there's there's at least one thing that it was just like, oh, no, wait. Like there, there was a, 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 I mean, okay, it's about witches. So I guess you've already suspended disbelief, <laughs> right? But, you know, sometimes you do a physical thing that is not, and, and that sort of, it, it did kind of yank me out of the story. There was just this one thing where I was like, wait a minute, that, that wouldn't, that doesn't work. But I didn't care. I was like, I don't care. I'm going back in. And I still highly recommend it. So I don't say that to criticize the book, which I enjoyed really deeply, but only to say for us as writers, you know, you can make a mistake. And if you've done everything else really well, readers are going to stick with you. This does not mean we should make mistakes. Yeah. But um, but it, it is kind of encouraging. Not only did I stick with her, I'm going I'm to buy, an, buy another one. <laughs> I'm all in. Yeah, I just read a, a, a witch book uh, day before yesterday that was so good. I don't know if it's out yet or 
if I had an advanced copy, but it's um, Hour of the Witch. It's like a I like saw a that my local fiction. bookstore was promoting that actually today. Really good. Cool. It was, it was really, really good. It was, uh, I was expecting more like real witchcraft, but it was more about like what it was like in the Puritan times if you were a woman trying to escape a bad marriage and, and you know, how, it, how easy it was for people to be like, oh, you're a witch. You're going to hmm. burn. Yeah. <laughs> um, so good. Having huh. just watched Jamestown, um, I was, my husband and I were just having that conversation. Basically, if you do anything wrong and you have a good argument for it, it's too tough. You could, you may just be called out as a witch and then they can just burn you. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. While we're talking about books, I want to mention really quickly because I am wearing the Nowhere Bookshop shirt. It is one of my very favorite shirts. It's the one with the black, so the baseball shirt with the black sleeves, one of my favorites. Oh, I love that one. Uh, because Jenny Lawson owns and operates the Nowhere Bookshop and um, unfortunately tried to open or was about to open during the pandemic. And um, I want to give props to your book club, actually. Could you tell us a little bit about your book club? Because it's you, the book selections you make are incredible. They are fun. Yeah. So we started this book club. It's called the Fantastic Strangelings Book Club. And basically I pick one book every month that I think is just not going to get enough attention. And it's been really helpful for a, a number of different ways. One, you know, we have this bookshop that has literally never opened its doors to customers. <laughs> Uh, so the longest running bookshop that I don't know how we're still in business, but we are. Uh, but that's part of the reason is because we have this this great book club and the um, the books that we have that we discuss are just they're so they're so much fun and so unique and interesting. Um, the one let's see this month's was uh, Lovey's book, uh, Professional Troublemaker. Mm -hmm. Let's see, what did we do before that? We did uh, Swallowed Man, we did Mexican Gothic, we did, um, oh my gosh, Catherine House, and they did bad things, and we did uh, Samantha Irby's book, uh, Wow No Thank You, and we did just, I mean, so many great, wonderful, odd books. Uh, and what's what's wonderful is, you know, not only is it it's helpful to us, but it's really helpful to the authors because there's, you know, a, you know, a couple thousand booksells that they didn't expect uh, to the point where even some of the publishers were like, OK, we don't we didn't actually think we would sell that many books. And so <laughs> we're going to have to do a printing just for you. And so there are some books that come out that actually have like. A, a special imprint that say like this book was printed especially for you fantastic strangeling that's so oh that cool. is awesome it's wonderful it is really wonderful so it helps the publishers and it helps us and it helps the author and then we you know we get together and we sometimes we'll do like zoom calls and you know with with all the the uh, authors or we'll just do you know q and a's and i'll just send out emails and it's just basically this book club where there's just there's no rules the discussion is online so you can go to it whenever you want to it's just really it actually really helped me because during some really dark times in this last year when I felt like I couldn't do anything else I could at least feel like well you know what I could go out and I could read because I need to pick a book for the next month. And so technically this is my job. So I shouldn't feel bad <laughs> about the fact that I'm going to spend the entire day just like on the couch reading. And so, you know, giving me that permission to enjoy 
reading was, first of all, it saved me. And number two, it reminded me that we shouldn't have to look at reading as a guilty pleasure. Mm -hmm. Like it's a wonderful thing that you do to give back to yourself and your mind. Well, and this is a beautiful distillation of what we go to independent bookstores for, which is amazing curation. And that's what's happening in Fantastic Strangelings. So we, I highly recommend that you subscribe. And uh, it's, it's, a pretty cool, it's a pretty cool list, I have to say. And not one that you would find many places. So um, yay you. Yay. I love that. Thank you. All right. <laughs> Thank you so, so much for being with us today. This has just meant a lot to, to both of us. And your book is fantastic. We highly recommend you go out and get broken in the best possible way. And Jenny, where can people find you if they would like to find out more about you? I am pretty much everywhere at the Blogus. So I, if you just look up the Blogus, you will pretty much find me. All right. And you should, because her, um, her tweets are amazing, and her blog is amazing, obviously. And go check out her earlier books, too, because um, if you like Broken in the Best Possible Way, you will like the rest of them as well. Until next week, everyone, keep your butt in the chair and your head in the game. The Hashtag AmWriting podcast is produced by Andrew Perella. Our intro music, aptly titled Unemployed Monday, was written and played by Max Cohen. Andrew and Max were paid for their time and their creative output because everyone deserves to be paid for their work.